0: Gotten into this new section in Matthew, and we're looking at the miracles of the Lord Jesus. And we saw the healing of the leper. Last week, we saw the centurion's servant being healed, and uh, we talked about how amazing it was that the centurion and how God has used centurions in his word as an example, because uh, being in the position that they were in authority, they understood what it was like when someone had authority, spoke a command, and how it was supposed to always be taken care of exactly the way it was spoken. Uh, And he went ahead and uh, declared that uh, all you have to do, Lord, is speak your word, and I know it's going to come true. And uh, today we're going to look at a little bit different, still going to look at one of the uh, one of the miracles of the healings, but then God uses it to remind us of the cost that it is to dis- to be his disciple. And he steps back for a moment and reminds us that this is serious business, and we're going to look at that this morning. Um, there are too many people in this world who have this idea, you know, hey, Jesus is my cosmic buddy, you know, and yes we sing the song what a friend we have in jesus because he presented himself to us that we could be in a close personal intimate relationship with him but he is still god okay and it is still a big deal to step up and be one of his disciples as a matter of fact if you've been in sunday school the last couple of weeks if not get the recordings Um, dan's been reminding us how the apostle paul was speaking to timothy saying you are going to have a hard time walking in your faith okay this world did not love jesus it hated it and it's going to hate us you will suffer there will be hard times there will be struggles so today waiting for the powerpoint to come up (laughs) yada 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 okay we're talking about the cost of being a disciple and Jesus lays out a few things here, a reminder that this is not a casual decision, that this is something to be taken very seriously. And we're going to look at this. So if you're with me in Matthew chapter 8, I want to go ahead and just read verses 14 through 22, and then we'll go back and pray and look at these different sections. So if you're with me, look at verse 14, and when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw Peter his wife's mother, laid sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. When the evening was come, they brought to him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities, and bear our sickness. Now when Jesus saw the great multitude about him, he gave commandment to depart unto another, unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, The foxes have holes and the birds have uh, nests, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where he Uh, Where to lay his head. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my Father. And Jesus said unto him, Follow me and let the dead bury the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy. I thank you for our Savior. Lord, I thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ came with the purpose of delivering us from the curse of sin and father that he allowed us entrance into that proper relationship with you again which has amazing benefits lord we have an eternity promised with you lord we have everything we need to serve you but lord at the same time it's not something that is casually offered it is a serious commitment And so, Father, I just pray that uh, as we look at your word this morning, it would be a reminder uh, that it was never promised that it would be easy. Lord, that you want a commitment of life. And so, Lord, just pray you be with my mind. Father, we were just uh, sharing uh, in song, Lord, and it talked about the Spirit of God being our teacher. Lord, we stand up and we share the Word of God and all the truth that's there, but Lord, it is your Holy Spirit that touches each one of our hearts. And so, Father, I just pray that uh, you would lay upon each one of us what we need to hear this morning as we're looking to your Word. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So by way of uh, review, put a couple things up here. The miracle of Jesus, and we talked about 37 different miracles, and Matthew chooses ones that are specifically designed to pre- present Jesus as Messiah okay, to the Jews. Um, and keep going. He healed the centurion. We just looked at that. that the issue was authority. Okay, the centurion recognized that Jesus had authority, And he put himself under jesus's authority and he said listen you don't even have to come to my house just if you say your word it's going to come true and i know that okay and then god we talked about next slide his great faith and just again we looked at those portions of great faith right number one he said all you have to do is speak the word he was so dependent and so understanding that the word of god held all the authority in the world And again, we keep talking about that over and over and over. This morning, we already looked in Sunday school at the Word of God is established forever. Okay, the Word of God is what is important. Number one, you want great faith? You have to have complete trust in God's Word. Number two, he knew he was ready to submit to whatever God wanted. And We talked last week about sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no. We got to be ready to just say, Lord, whatever your will is, I'm okay with that. And the last one is, just believe it. Just trust God. Lord, you said it, I'm okay with it, and I'm going to trust that you're going to do what you said. Okay, And honestly, guys, any of us who think that we're a believer, if you've exa- uh, asked Jesus to be your Savior, God forgiveness us sin, it's based on this alone. You're trusting that you submitted to the Word of God and what God said is true. Okay, I didn't earn my way to heaven. I'm not doing it here every Sunday morning getting up here preaching because I think I'm that much closer to getting to God. God makes promises, and he always keeps them, and I'm going to believe in God's promises Okay, because he is the true authority. The rest of it doesn't really matter that much. I just believe God. All right, so today we're looking at the third miracle, and that's Peter's mother-in-law, and we just read that. Peter's mother-in-law was sick. You can find this in Mark. You can find this in Luke. Okay, um, and Jesus comes in and heals her. Uh, not a whole lot of to do written here about this. It's two quick verses. He shows up at Peter's house, and Peter's wife's mother is sick, okay, and she has a fever. Interestingly enough, um, wrote it down here. This word fever is the same word we get the words hellfire from. Just interesting. So just consider that for a moment. Uh, when Jesus touched her, he delivered her from the fire. Just an interesting thought. Not much we know about it, other than she had some sort of fever, and Jesus touched her. But we, but we do know, keep going, is that Jesus touched her and delivered her from the fire. She got up right away and served. And I think sometimes um, this is a missing part in... Jesus' touch in our lives a lot of people uh, may have met jesus and he delivered them from the fire but that's as far as it goes there's churches with people in it this morning and there are a lot of christians who aren't even in church this morning because they don't understand that when the lord jesus touches you the first thing your heart should want to do is get up and serve Him. You know how many churches have people who have been in sitting in the same place for 20, 30, 40 years and are doing absolutely nothing for the Lord? It's said, Here we see Peter's mother-in-law. As soon as she met the Lord and God uh, touched her, delivered her, she got up and she was serving. And again, I'm, not say, I'm just saying we, this is a, something that you and I need to keep fresh in our minds. I know a lot of us are serving, and so I'm not preaching necessarily at us. But remember, we walk our faith out in front of a lot of other people. And when a person tells me, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Will you go to church anywhere? No. You read the Bible? No. You do anything for the Lord? No. So basically, you're saying you're not going to hell, and that's all about your life. Do you ever do anything for the Lord? Uh, 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 well, I, when I get in trouble, I pray. The natural response to being healed by Christ when he touched her was to get up immediately and serve. As a matter of fact, this word is the same Greek word that we get the word deacon from. It means servant. It means getting up and taking care of God's people. Okay, Just a little encouragement. So those of you who are like, Man, I just love serving. That's a natural response to being one of God's kids. When God delivers you, your natural response is to want to serve him. Okay, and isn't that what Jesus talked about all through the Sermon on the Mount? It's not about making checking off a bunch of boxes. It's when you meet the God and he's touched your life, you automatically want to do things for him. You don't do things for him to earn brownie points. He's given you things and you serve because of that. That was an amazing response here. So that's it, that's all we know about this whole situation. Although, I must say, I gotta put this in here. Next slide. Not necessarily throwing a whole group under the bus, but Peter was married. Okay? Um, There is a large denomination worldwide who tries to say that Peter was the first pope. Well, a pope cannot be married according to their rules, and Peter was married. So just an interesting thought there. Again, not saying that Peter didn't have an important place in religious structure down through the years, but just an interesting point, Peter was a married man. Okay, Not often we hear about Peter's wife, though, do we? Just keep that in mind. How many times have we read stories about Peter and him serving the Lord and following him and fishing and denying him and all the things that Peter did? You don't hear about Peter's wife very much. but he was a married man. All right, keep going. Now we get into why, again, Jesus is performing miracles. All right, and this is very important. We talked about it already. God reaffirms this in the scriptures. Remember, he told the leper, don't go telling everybody about this. Go to the priest. Do what you're supposed to do according to the law of Moses. But don't go bragging around that, hey, Jesus healed me because he wasn't it for the circus again it has reminded us we read in verse 16 and 17 that he healed everybody that came to him okay why because it says to fulfill what it said in the prophet isaiah now i find it interesting so often we use this verse in isaiah to talk about our salvation and what christ did for us in uh, dying on the cross for our sins and i'm not saying it doesn't mean that But in this verse, it's quoted in response to him healing our physical ailments. Okay, look what it says here. Remember the authority of the healing? Um, What do you call it? He healed not all of them, but most of them were Jews. Why is God, oh, put this clip in here. God can still heal. But in the Bible, healings were a message that God's people, that the Deliverer had come. Can my God still heal? Absolutely. But are people given the power of healing like the apostles had? No. Okay, and if you watch any of these charlatans on the TV who think they can just, anybody that walks up on stage, they have the power to wave a coat at them or touch them or, you know. Hey, None of you went backwards when I did that. Okay? God can still heal because my God can do anything. But the healing and many of the gifts that God had given in the early church was to give authority to who he was and what he had done. Okay, so here God is reminding us again, right in the midst of all this. And this is why, remember we said earlier there's somewhere between 35 and 37 miracles. Okay, well, look here for a minute. We just finished the third one listed. And then it goes on and said he healed everybody who came to him. So how many miracles was that? I don't know how many people showed up, but he healed them all. But God specifically says, okay, centurion, Peter's mother-in-law. Okay, the woman, the, what do you call it, the well. No, excuse me, Craig. Turned water into wine. All the different ones that are listed. Okay, so he lists specific miracles But here, a whole group of people shows up, and he heals every one of them. So Jesus healed many, but listen, it is to fulfill what God's word has said. So what was that? Next slide, Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. We use that often to talk about what Jesus did on the cross, but Matthew here is quoting this to remind us that he was healing all of our weaknesses and our needs. And there are several other passages in the Old Testament that reminds us when Messiah comes, he is going to heal the multitudes. Right? This is why this, and again, let's look at it just one more time so we see exactly the way it's written here in Matthew. And when it was come, verse 16, and when even was come, They brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet uh, Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So, all that Jesus was doing here in the healing was to confirm what God had said about Messiah in the Old Testament. Okay, Messiah would come, and this is what Messiah is going to do. Right? Remember, it is not about the wow factor. Okay? Unfortunately, that's exactly what people thought. Okay? And that's why over and over in the life of Jesus, you see, and they brought unto him all their sick and their dying and their lame and their, because they wanted to get their problem healed, but they also wanted to see the show. So because of that, Jesus responds. Now this is completely opposite of what, oh, help me to word this right. I'll just say ministers in Christianity do today. They use their healing to draw the big crowd, to make the big bucks, to get the big TV shows, to gather the stadiums full of people. That is completely opposite of what Jesus did. Okay, keep going. God heals everything. It just takes a It's a matter of when. Just wanted to put that thought out there. God had a purpose in all these miracles. How many of you, we've said it before at funerals, that they just received the ultimate healing? Someday, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've made him your savior, you're going to let go of this old decrepit sinful body and get completely healed. Okay, we always say oh, terrible death is. No, actually death is removal of all the pain and the problems and the heartaches and the we get God is always going to heal us. And someday you and I maybe just maybe a trumpet will sound and we won't have to taste death. And we head directly to heaven and all these heartaches and got these new glasses. Love them. They're much better now. I can read a little better. Um, boy, would it be nice not to have $700 hanging on your face. Right? <laughs> okay, and gone from transition, tri quad, octagonal focals. I don't know what they are anymore. There's days I wish I didn't have to wear them, but you know what? Someday I won't. God will heal everything. It's all based on his time. Okay, God can fix any problem anytime he wants to. But he does it specifically always for a purpose for his glory. Nothing that God does is haphazard, by chance, flippant. It is always designed for a purpose. And those who think, oh, just, you know, heal, heal, heal. No, every time Jesus did it, there was a specific purpose for it, and we see it here. He healed that it might be fulfilled. Everything was for a reason. Okay. The cost of being a disciple. In the midst of the miracles, Jesus responds to a large crowd that was gathering because of the show and the healings that were taking place. Jesus had two responses when the uh, circus came to town. Jesus would heal because it proved who he was. It fulfilled scripture. It reminded him that Messiah was here, but Jesus had a response to that. There were one of two responses. Here we go. Number one, when the multitudes would come to him, he would preach the word to the crowd. Okay, every time Jesus had an opportunity and had an audience, he was preaching the word. Okay, uh, Luke said, if any man come unto me and hate not, oh, excuse me, but he would preach the word to what? Thin the crowd. Now, think about that for a minute. Think about any of the, uh, we just saw a history, Yet yeah, my wife and I last night were watching this thing we recorded about um, unique and mysterious empty Buildings in America. Cheryl's nodding her head. And this one was about Oklahoma. Right in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there's a big giant building. Completely empty. It used to be the headquarters of Oral Roberts. Okay? And all the uh, millions and millions and millions of dollars he raised in the name of faith. I'll say it that way and leave it alone. There have been many who have used miracles and things like that to gain popularity to draw crowds to get money jesus didn't do that he preached to thin the crowds if any man come unto me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brother and his sister yea even his own life also he cannot be my disciple so many times jesus offered statements like this and people walked away Because Jesus, now remember, the title of this morning's sermon is The Cost of Being My Disciple. All of a sudden, you get thousands and thousands of people following Jesus because of the amazing show that's being put on. And Jesus turns and says, if you're not willing to even consider your family cast aside to serve me, if you're not willing to sacrifice all of them, you're not willing to be my disciple. Keep going. Keep going. Mark, and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, and said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, and the gospels, the same shall save it. Sounds like what we just heard for two weeks in a row in Sunday school. There's a cost to serving. So when the multitudes came, Jesus said, listen, unless you're willing to lose your life, you better be serious about this commitment. Don't just have, watch because, woo, he healed another one. Ha <laughs> ha, I like going behind this Jesus guy. It's a good show. And maybe I got to, oh, hang hangnail, Lord Jesus, you know, help me out here. Keep going. Mark 10. Then Jesus beholding him loved him and said unto him, so this is that rich young ruler, right? Said unto him, one thing thou lackest, go thy way and sell whatsoever thou hast and give it to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up your cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieving for he had great possessions. The rich young ruler had plenty of money and Jesus said, you know what? Now, of course, Jesus could see right through the fella. Don't I wish I could sometimes. Jesus knew what would be the hardest sacrifice for the man. He said, you know what? You you know, rich money, you got plenty of it? Sell all of it, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And he was sad and left. What's amazing about this, Jesus didn't chase him. We use this all the time. How many of you ever had somebody you're talking to about the Lord and you should. Share something with them, and they're not ready, and they walk away. Okay, or you'll say something like, "Well, you know, you need to give up this sinful behavior in your in your life," and they're like, well, "I don't want to do that," and they walk away. And we say, "Wait, wait, wait, come back!" Well, I wasn't really serious about that. Yeah, you're a sinner. I'm not a sinner. Okay, well, you don't really have to do that. You just have to say Jesus's name, and you're all set. Jesus never chased after anyone jesus chased away people with the word of god now again uh, if you have not go listen to sunday school because god is confirming these two things together because paul is saying to timothy just before paul leaves this world he says timothy you will suffer There will be people who do not like your message, because if you preach the word of God, it's not a convenient thing. It is serious business. Jesus is saying the same thing. All these multitudes keep following him because, wow, what a show. And Jesus keeps turning around and saying, no, if you're serious, you can stay. But unless you're ready to carry your cross, unless you're ready to say, listen, my family doesn't matter anymore, unless you're ready to just give up everything, follow me. Keep going. John chapter 6, 6, 6 through 68. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked, with, walked no more with him. And Jesus said unto the twelve, will you go away also? Or also go away? And Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Again, Peter comes out with some amazing statements now and then. Remember when Peter, who does men say that I am? Oh, you know, you're Isaiah, you're a prophet, you're a good teacher. And Peter says, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And we know that, you know, the Holy Spirit revealed that to him. Well, here, what a great passage. Jesus basically chases away almost every one of the disciples that are following him. Now, please understand, we talk about the apostles. Okay, they're a specific small group of 12. Jesus had many disciples that followed him. Okay, okay throughout the new testament there are numerous disciples that's why when it says here that many of his disciples walked with him no more there were a lot of people that were following jesus who considered themselves you know jesus is my mentor this says they all turned and walked away and then that wasn't good enough you with me you seeing what it says behind me, right? It wasn't just good enough that they walked away. Jesus turns and directs it right at those twelve and says, "Are you going to walk away too? You guys going to quit? Might as well. Have everybody else is." I want us to understand how deliberate Jesus was in focusing on his mission and focusing on an absolutely committed life. He wasn't in this for the easy, casual Christianity. He said, Take your cross up, follow me. Leave your family behind, follow me. Everything you own, follow me. And when they don't like it, they walked away. Jesus looks and says, They're gone. You, you, you heading? And then Peter says this amazing thing, and I love this. He doesn't say, But Jesus, you have all the healing. But Jesus, you are the Son of God. But Jesus, what does Peter say? He said, you have the words of eternal life. Over and over and over, Jesus goes back to this. There are ministries, including this church here. Guys, I'm thankful every day that we as a church family know what's important, and that is God's word. There are a lot of other things churches can do, but the key and what Peter said, listen, Lord, we got no place else to go. Because the word of God is what is important and you have his word. That is the key. And that's, again, uh, listen, I, there are so many things. Pastor, I wore a tie today. When was the last time you guys saw me wear a tie? It's been a while, hasn't it? Right? Because, you know what, I wanted to really be extra spiritual today. So I put on this really skinny piece of cloth that hangs from my neck that makes me choke. It's actually just a very skinny bib um, because you knew that this thing makes me more spiritual, right? Okay. Uh, One of these days, I'll really get extra spiritual and put my suit coat on. Whoa. Yeah, when it gets cold, and if I'm cold, you guys are freezing, okay? I've got uh, winter blubber that I got. We try to do our best for the Lord, but it's not about what we wear. It's not about what colors we paint the building or what you know, music we sing. That's not necessarily true, but I mean style of music. It doesn't matter if you decided to you know, wear sneakers instead of dress shoes. What is important is the Word of God. And if we ever lose sight of that, we're in trouble. There are a lot of churches who have programs not this kind of program, but a program meaning something for people to do. And they have rock music to gather people in and light shows and smoke sing, you know, Those are all wonderful things if they add and enhance the word of God. But Peter said, listen, Lord, with everything we've seen you do, there's one thing that's important. Where are we going to go to get God's word? That should be our commitment, is the word of God. Please remember that, because there are brothers and sisters in Christ all around us that we run into every day who don't understand how important the very word of God is. That is the important thing. Okay, keep going. So, number one, either he would preach to thin out the crowd, and again, the the whole point here is, when all this crowd showed up to get the healing, to watch the wonderful thing happen, Jesus would do one of two things. He would either preach a hard sermon to thin out the crowd, because he only wanted those who were seriously willing to follow him, or he would get away. And that's what happens here. Okay, If you noticed it here, it says, And when Jesus saw the multitude, he gave them commandment to depart to the other side. Okay, Jesus saw this great multitude and over and over and over in the scripture what Jesus had the now you would think, right? Human thinking says, man, we filled up Yankee Stadium. How awesome was that? You know how many people that is? Thousands of people are here because of Jesus. And Jesus, when he saw those great crowds, said, let's get out of here. Over and over and over. You'd think, the more people the better, right? But not if it wasn't focused on what Jesus wanted. Okay? Look here, Mark. But he went out and began to publish uh, it, and it blazed abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter the city without, uh, but was without in a desert place. And they came to him from every quarter. So Jesus couldn't even go into the city anymore. He went out and tried to stay in the desert. But they kept coming. Keep going. Matthew 14, verse 13. And when Jesus heard it, he departed thence by a ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. Luke chapter 4, verse 42. And it was day he departed and went into the desert place. And the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him. That he should not depart from them. Like, Jesus, why do you keep running away? Because Jesus wasn't in it to make a big show. Jesus wanted true followers. And over and over and over, Jesus kept trying to get away from the big giant crowds. Because he wasn't in it for the circus. This was not a dog and pony show. Jesus wanted real followers, not people that were just there for the wow factor. Keep going. John chapter 6, and a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased, and Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. To understand this passage, you've got to understand Jesus' response to the people that were coming to see him. Okay, we started it out with he healed Peter's mother-in-law, automatically got up and served. Then, to fulfill what God had told us about Jesus in the Old Testament, he healed great multitudes so that he would show exactly that he was Messiah according to the word of God. But when the press came, when the wow factor started up and everybody started showing up, He said, let's get in the ship and go to the other side. Because Jesus over and over and over was looking for those who had serious commitment. And then he has two fellows that meet with him. Let's look at them. Oh, he did not want his miracles to be a circus. So much different than today. How many times have we seen someone who is a miracle worker in the name of Jesus wants everybody to be there and see it and be wowed he wants an all or nothing commitment take up your cross father mother sister brother all you have and follow me keep going the cost number one the scribe comes said listen i'm gonna follow you wherever and jesus uses a picture from the old testament now Sometimes we've used this, and I want to make sure we understand it, that Jesus' is surface point here, when he says, foxes have den and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, let me remind you, Jesus did not say he never slept in a bed. That's not his point. He's not going around going, I don't even have a cot to lay on. Okay, There were many people in Jesus' life that took care of him, many wealthy people. So he is not saying, uh, "Listen, I can't even get a comfortable night's sleep." Okay, Serta hadn't invented a good enough mattress by now. Okay, that's not the point. When you look at what foxes and birds of the air represent, they are demonic spirits in the Bible. Okay, so many times, every time you see this, God is using this this picture of the birds of the air. And if you look, I'm not going to teach through Leviticus again today, but Foxes and and those things that are scavengers like that are always ones that are pictured as demonic spirits. What's Jesus' point to this scribe? He says, you want to know what? He said, the workers of iniquity and the devils and the demons are more accepted in this life than I am. That's his point. He says, you want to follow me? I want you to understand something. This world is more acceptant And more, look, man, if we don't see this today, where some of the most ungodly, abominable things are being done in this world today, and that's being accepted. But mention the name of Jesus? Forget about it. Go to a school system and have absolutely ungodly things taught to the children but if i go to ask if i can go in and host a bible class forget about it jesus's point here is the things of evil are accepted in this world more than god's way foxes have holes birds of the air have their nests they fit they they're accepted in this world not me and again, this goes back, guys, how many times? Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. It's going to be a place where you're not accepted. So he's telling this scribe, not, hey, listen, uh, if, if you uh, decide to follow me, you'll never have a bed to sleep in. That might be a truth that you can gather on the surface, but there's so much more to this passage. He's basically saying, if you follow me, understand that you are not going to be accepted in this world. This place is not designed to welcome someone who was living for the Lord. Okay, the flesh, this fallen creation, the devil himself and his workers of iniquity make it a hostile environment. That's his point. So scribe, listen, you want to follow me everywhere you go? You better understand what a serious commitment that is. And again, not that I want to keep thumping on this, but boy, if you were here for the last two Sunday schools... Timothy is saying, exa- uh, Paul is saying this exact thing to Timothy. Timothy, it, you will suffer for the Lord because we're aliens. We don't belong here. Yeah, these workers of iniquity, this evil is accepted. They have dens, they have nests, but not someone who is following the Lord because this world's not my home. I'm just passing through. See how serious this is with Jesus? Now you would think, this scribe, man, scribes were fundamental, Bible-believing, every single jot and tittle of the Word of God is important. Man, these guys were straight as an arrow. Their job was to copy the very Word of God and make sure absolutely no mistakes or anything were ever made in Jesus. (laughs) That's good, but you better understand what you're stepping into. There's another guy that shows up. Oh, I did say that, didn't I? Didn't mean Jesus didn't never slept in a bed. Okay, the other disciple, he says, I'd love to follow you, Lord, but I need to bury my dad first. Now, culturally, just so you understand this, dad was not dead yet. Okay, and we can go through this. There are verses, I almost did it, but I figured, just talking about it, you can look it up yourself. Um Hebrews, Jewish folks, buried their people as quick as possible. Okay? It was something that was done within a few days at best. This is not something like we get nowadays where, you know, you take them to the, uh, the undertaker and they can hold on to them for a couple of weeks and you plan a big funeral. These guys, they put the bodies in the ground very quickly. Okay? So we're not talking about dad was dead and I'm just waiting to, for the preparation Basically, the understanding here is my dad is elderly. He's going to pass in a little while, but I need to hang around and wait for that to happen. Okay, you with me so far? Now, this is focused specifically on this area of death, but this is where we've said many times, if you have a qualifier that says, listen, Lord, I'll follow you once I, dot, dot, dot. Fill in the blank. I'll follow you once I graduate Bible college. I'll follow you once I get married. I'll follow you once I sell my house. I'll follow you once I, uh, my dad and mom are passed. I'll follow you when I get my new job. I'll follow you when I... you get the point? That's what this fellow's saying. He says, I'm willing to follow you, Lord, but, but, but not yet. There's a couple things that need to take place first. And Jesus says... Let the dead bury the dead. Jesus isn't being cruel. He's not saying, hey, your dad's dead. Who ah, who cares? Let him rot. Jesus is basically saying, you can't have priorities that are more important than serving me. Do it right now. Because I guarantee you, folks, and I've had it in my own life, so I have experienced it, If you put a qualifier on and say, say, I will serve God when dot, 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 the devil is always going to allow you to have a dot, dot, dot. Well, yeah, right, I'm married, Lord, but now there's another issue. Uh, I'll follow you once this happens. And you get all that all set, and the devil throws another thing in there. I'll follow you when... Well, Lord, I got cancer. Once, once I get through the cancer treatment. or well, Lord, my finances are really bad. And once I, You see what Jesus is saying? This is a serious commitment. There should not, either you give up all and follow him, or you got a caveat. Jesus is saying, listen, it's all or nothing. Follow me or don't. Do, do or do not. my Yoda voice. There's no try. It's either get in or get out. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. That's what this is. And this is, we're talking about the cost of discipleship. The cost of being one of Jesus' followers is what's standing in your way. Now I know I'm preaching to the choir. It's a Sunday morning. I love our church. But we live in a world, and just maybe in your life, you're holding back because you're waiting for one thing to fall into place what if that thing never falls into place are you gonna to go to heaven someday going Lord I would have done it except and then we're out there witnessing and reaching out people and we have brothers and sisters in the faith who we know that may be right in that same boat that are going you know I love the Lord, and, 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 and it's great to have my sins forgiven, and I'm, I'm so thankful I'm going to heaven, but I, I just got so many other things going on right now. Jesus, over and over in this passage, is reminding us, listen, if you're not willing to take up the cross, if you're not willing to put aside everything, whether it's the people you know or the things that you have, if you're waiting for some the other shoe to drop before you serve the Lord, Jesus said, not not worthy of being my disciple. And too often, Jesus chased off those people who were just casually following him to boil it down to those people who were serious about the word of God. Now, not saying all this to make us feel bad. I'm saying all this to remind us what a privilege it is to be able to step up and say, yes, Lord, no matter what, I am your servant. And it doesn't matter what comes my way. There was a point in my life, with, in my wife, and uh, we, had, we were in a rough spot, real rough spot. It seemed like everything was going wrong. And we had two phrases. One was, wherever we are, that's where we'll be. Meaning, I don't care if we're you know, in the powerhouse or living on the street or whatever it is, wherever we are, that's where we'll be. And the other one was, is that all you got, Satan? Because it's not going to stop us from doing what we need to do. Now, that's easy to say until that hardship comes and you begin to go, I didn't know it was going to be this hard. Know something, it's going to be that hard. Because there's one thing we see over and over and over in God's family, and this is part of discipleship when you sit down and do it together with us. God always brings every single Christian to a point where they say, I'm going to serve you because I have nothing else I can do. He gives you an all or nothing choice. Either you're in or you're out. And over and over, and man, the Apostle Paul is about to Sign off the letter of 2 Timothy and die. And he says, Timothy, before I go from prison to death, I want you to understand that you may just have the same thing to look forward to. Because this is not for the faint-hearted, all in or all out. That's the cost of being a disciple. We need to live that way and we need to remind the people around us that call themselves Christian that this is just isn't tiptoeing through the tulips. That it might mean... Uh, a more burden and suffering and hardship than we signed up for <laughs> but are we willing is there anything so there's the last question i ask it's not on the notes up there is there anything in your mind that would stop you from serving god is there I love serving god. amen amen but I'll tell you one thing, in I'm not gonna stand here and so, say, oh, Craig is so holy. There have been times I've looked up at the ceiling and gone, Lord, why? Lord, seriously? But when it comes down to it, you have to say, but you're right, Lord. Nope, that's not enough to make me stop. I pondered it. But when you really understand all that God has done for us and all the promises we have and what this life is meant for, you go, you know what? Is that all you got? Cuz it's not going to stop us. We're going to serve no matter what. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I don't want this to seem like a a knock on wood moment that we talk about sometimes that you know, well, you know, we'll serve no matter what, Lord that may be making a statement that we will never comprehend what that truly means lord i know down through our history there have been so many good solid believers who have given their life not just in a mission field literally were murdered martyred for their faith and lord we don't necessarily have that here in america right now but there are places all over this world where christians are killed by the thousands weekly because of their stand for god and lord we sometimes get kind of cushy here in america because we're allowed to share our faith and live our religious system